The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back into the SB Nation NFL show. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. I am not Rob Stats Carrera. Rob Stats Carrera is actually going to be out today as well as Justice Mosqueda. So it is just me and Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. We've got a very big show for you to get, for you guys today. I'll, I'll be picking up the slack for the Acme Packing Co. side of this week's gauntlet. And Stats did have time to sit down with former ESPN great Mike Golick. So we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. But KP, it's just me and you on this Wednesday. So happy Wednesday and what's going on? Justice took a week off after beating Mike McCarthy. How about (laughs) that, man? Um, I'm good. Me and you, fresh off victories. I don't know that you and I deserve victories after last Sunday. I was watching that Chiefs game, man. It seemed like they gave the Jags every opportunity to win, but the Jags were like, nope, not interested. Uh, we, did you ever feel worried that the Jags were going to come back? And uh, come back might be strong, but it, it seemed like, like they were on the doorstep of making that a one-possession game. No, I, I actually think it was one of the less stressful games of the Chiefs season this year, just because Jacksonville is such an inferior opponent to them. Like I think Jacksonville's headed in the right direction. They've got some young playmakers and you know, we'll see what Dougie P continues to get out of Trevor Lawrence, but it was never a game where I was like concerned at any point in, in the game. And we've seen the chiefs do this over the last several years where they play down to their opponents sometimes. And I don't think the chiefs were ever worried about it. And they just knew like, as long as we, as long as we just handle business here and there, make the plays that we need to do, there's no way we're going to lose this game to Jacksonville. So I was never all that worried about it. But what about you and the 49ers uh, against the Chargers? Because I the Chargers definitely deserve to lose that game. But it certainly wasn't. I don't know why the 49ers traded all this draft capital for Christian McCaffrey <laughs> just to be like, oh, now Elijah Mitchell's back. So we've got a split backfield now because Kyle Shanahan can't help himself. If you told me Elijah Mitchell was going to get more carries than Christian McCaffrey on in a primetime game, his first game back af, off a of bye week and off a of bye week, knowing that, you know, they have more time to implement Christian McCaffrey in the offense, I would have been like, no way, you're out of your mind. Sure enough, Elijah Mitchell had 18 carries, McCaffrey had 14 carries. In the fourth quarter, when they needed to run the ball, when they needed somebody to lean on, that would be an ideal time to put in that guy you traded all those picks for. In the fourth quarter, when they needed to score, when they were on the goal line, that would be an ideal time to put up the guy in who you traded all those picks for. Neither of those times did we see McCaffrey in the ballgame. So that was head-scratching, to say the least. That team, for whatever reason, could not sniff the end zone, man. They were inside the 10-yard line five times, two touchdowns only. Um, for a team that has a embarrassment of riches at the skill positions i will never understand why they struggle to score points but they won as you said Chargers deserve to win uh deserve to lose they really like it was almost the opposite where kansas city was up big and jacksonville would claw back but kansas city would score again whereas the 49ers like they were down for most of the game but it never really felt like they were gonna lose and the Chargers just they got out to a, a quick start but I mean, they couldn't do anything in the second half. So, yeah, it was it was a different way to win the game. But I think, you know, that's what good teams do. They just find different ways to win the game. And that's what we saw from both sides, Kansas City and San Francisco. 
Yeah, I guess at least Elijah Mitchell looked good um, in the carries that he got. Um, I, I don't really know what Kyle Shanahan was doing there, but uh, 49ers. Nobody ever does, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's I feel like that's what it is at this point. It's just whatever anybody thinks I'm going to do, I'm going to do the opposite and I'm not going to explain it at all. I'm not going to give you any explanation as to the thought process behind it. But as I mentioned, we got a big show for you today. We'll get to uh, former ESPN analyst Mike Golick here in just a second. But before that, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Also, as always, we want to remind you to please subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing here on the SB Nation NFL show. If you leave us a review, we will read it. We're in the five-star business, so preferably you leave a five-star review for us. And as I mentioned, we will get into this week's gauntlet. This week it's going to be... uh, NFL fake wild card contenders. But before we do that, here's Mike Golick. This is the SB Nation NFL show. Very pleased and privileged to be joined by a very special guest, someone I had the honor and privilege to work with when I was at ESPN back in the day. Mike Golick. What's up, Mike? Oh, Stats, it was my honor and my privilege to have the you working at ESPN as an underaged worker. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> weren't you 10 when you were on our show? I mean, there's no way we're aging that much, right? Yeah, it feels like that sometimes when I look back. (laughs) How about it? The one thing I was always amazed at, and then now that I have to do reads for shows and sometimes there's an error in the copy and you notice it on the fly and you just go to it. I was amazed when, because that was part of my job was giving you the copy of the stuff that you would have to read. And there'd be a mistake and you'd be in the middle of the read and there'd be a mistake and you'd look at me as you were reading it and point to the sheet. And I was like, how is he able to do this and keep reading this thing? But you did it. Well, I mean, uh, listen, I can fake people out a lot like I actually know what I'm doing. But uh, yeah, because you're right. I'm, I'm reading what's there. And sometimes I'll just peruse it really quickly or times as I'm reading it, I'll look ahead to the words. Don't ask me how I can do that, but just look ahead a little bit. But I always do love staring over at you like stats. What in the hell did you write on this piece of paper that I'm supposed to read now? Because, you know, listen, if we're all like Will Ferrell and read whatever's on the teleprompter, we can get ourselves in a lot of trouble. Yeah, those that's absolutely true. I would just <laughs> see that face and just kind of put my head down and be like, oh, damn it, I did it again. Damn it, my fault. <laughs> oh, man, those were the days. All yeah, right, yeah. let's uh, jump ahead to now because I know you're doing some things with DraftKings. Uh, you're, you've got a couple podcasts and also you're here on behalf of Gridiron Greats. Tell us what you got going on with them. Southern Recipe Small Batch has partnered up with the gridiron greats and it's pork rind appreciation day on super bowl sunday which is just awesome i mean those are like a great, that's a, one of the great snacks you have while you're uh, while you're watching football and they they've been working with gridiron greats and what they're doing is they're exchanging sacks for snacks so and, and you can win prizes here so what you're going to do is you're going to go to porkrindappreciationday.com You pick any team you believe is going to get a lot of sacks. Each week, one randomly selected entry is going to win a case of pork rinds for every sack their team gets. A grand prize is $5,000 and a year of pork rinds, and money goes to the Gridiron Greats, which I've been on the board of for a while now. Basically, for Gridiron Greats stats, it's, you know, guys who played decades and decades ago don't have a lot of the things that the players of today have when they finish playing. And a lot of them are hurting, you know, whether it's physically or financially, and they need some of the simple things, you know, like a trip to the dentist or or a yearly exam or transportation or help with mortgage. And that's what Gridiron Greats does, is we help those that need the help. It's always like when you're on the field and you see a teammate helping another teammate up, that's basically what we're doing. We're putting our hand down and helping up a teammate who needs a little bit of help. Um, so I'm very, very happy to be on, on the board. Mike Dick helped start this thing years ago. Uh, Brian Erlacher is one of the latest ones that's on the board for it. So it, it's really a great thing. And and uh, Southern Recipe Small Batch has, has just been phenomenal in partnering up with Pork Rind Appreciation Day to help raise money. So you get a good snack, you can win some prizes, you can win some money, and uh, we're going to help out some ball players who could use the help. So uh, it's a pretty cool thing. That's awesome. Yeah, get a good snack and it goes to a good cause. So, and we know we all know we're going to load up on the snacks anyway, right? So you might as well do this and help out some people that really, really need it. 
Um, I saw something on NFL Live yesterday that I thought was fascinating and I wanted to ask you about. Right now, the entire league is averaging 11 yards per completion. That is the lowest in the NFL since 1933. How do you explain this? It's just short passes. I mean, the, the, the league has turned into short passes. The league has turned into the quick hitch, the, the outside screen, um, you know, the, the trips to one side in a bunch where the first two are blockers and you throw a quick pass out there or you throw a quick slant and try and get yards after the catch. That's what it is. You know, every now and then you're going to see the shots taken downfield. But for the most part, it's turned into a shorter passing offense is get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. And then it's on the defense. Defenses will play back and say, we're going to let you catch a five yard pass and we're going to make a tackle at six. You know, that's what's going to happen here. So that's what you're seeing. You're seeing shorter passes with the onus then being on the receiver or running back if he catches a ball. And if there are blockers, I'm getting yards after that catch. That's kind of where we are now instead of the long passes time and time again. Is that partly because you've got guys like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and that system that has sort of spread out now across the league, which that favors like guys gaining yards after the catch? Well, and also look, look at what look what teams did to Kansas City last year. You go more in that cover two and try not to give them a deep pass and make Patrick Mahomes loves throwing the ball deep, especially when that Tyreek Hill, which is what Tua is doing, you know, uh, in Miami with, with, with Tyreek. So you play that cover two, you play back, you don't give the long ball up like that. So so teams have to check down, teams have to go shorter until, you know, you make the defense come up and play that if you're not playing it well. Listen, if you're throwing short passes and the guys aren't making the tackles on defense or gaining long yards, you're going to have to change it up a little bit. But if you're making those plays, there's no sense in coming up closer to the line of scrimmage. It's kind of like a good running game. If you have a good running game, you're going to force safety, a safety up closer to the box, and then you can hit them with a pass over the top. So it all depends on how the rest of your offense is working. But that's kind of what we see is with the cover twos and the safeties back, they're, they're, they're trying to take away that long pass. And you mentioned the running game. The flip side of this, the league average for yards per carry is 4.5. That's the highest ever. Well, that again, you when you have two safeties back, if you're in that, you know, cover two means less players in the box. Because nowadays you have that one safety that can play like a linebacker. He is like a linebacker that can play to the line. But if you have them back, then you have a lighter box, so you're going to run. So now you can spread your wide receivers out. You can kick out. You can motion out a back to see if you can figure out coverage, motion them back in, check to whatever play that you want. But if you have less in the box, then you're going you're gonna to have more success running the ball. And the other thing they mentioned on NFL Live was that the counter and power runs are up over a yard per carry each from last year. So it seems like the runs to the outside, kind of the outside zone runs, they've sort of figured out and offenses have countered that with sort of the inside power gap runs. Yeah, the, the, that, that counter play, you know, listen, I went against that all the time when I was in Philly. That's what, that's what Washington ran all the time, the counter tray with the backside guard and tackle. But now you can run it with the guard and an H-back. You can run it with any two people that you want. You can start flow one way and counter it back the other way. What you'll see more, more and more I see is is backs not particularly hitting the hole that the play is designed to go to. They're going to, they're, they're reading so much better and cutting back more because what you get is backside chasing down hard on plays and that's going to leave a cutback or the backside contain comes up the field. And when he comes up the field and everybody else is flowing away from him, that opens up a monster cutback lane for a back. So you're seeing a little more of that, which means when, when, when that's working, obviously the offense is either blocking well or the defense is taking themselves out of position. Stats, I have seen so many times in the passing game this year, defenses giving up the, the contain to the quarterback to break outside. It blows my mind. Blows my mind. I mean, contain the quarterback. <laughs> he, the quarterback gets the edge so much now in the NFL. I, it's amazing to me. And that's not just quarterbacks are bigger stronger faster you think it's more no, just lack of you're losing contain you're you're losing contain you know it used to be before you come underneath if, if you're an outside rusher if you want to come underneath the tackle 
before you get to the depth of the quarterback, man, you better be ready to break back outside. Mm -hmm. But normally it's get to the depth of the quarterback before you come back inside. But guys are making quicker moves and it's opening up the outside. And a lot of these quarterbacks are better athletes. So when they get outside, they're not as easy to catch. And when a quarterback gets outside the pocket, man, the strain now that goes on the, the back seven is very, very difficult. I feel like, and you you mentioned it earlier, when you were playing the counter and the power, like that defenses were set up to stop those. Um, how difficult is it then if you are a defense that's set up to stop one particular run concept like that to then be forced and and keep seeing the opposite run concept like the outside zone? Is it easy to switch up and defend that or are you kind of at a loss there? Well, it depends on how you want to play. Listen, when we played, we played a lot of, you know, where you played straight up on the D lineman, on the O lineman, and you played, you had a gap on either side. You two gapped them, right? So you could, you, it, your responsibility was either gap. And there were other times you played the edge and you went for penetration. And that was a Buddy Ryan defense was attacking a lot of times. And when you get players attacking, it can work for you when they're trying to get across the line of scrimmage, if you can bust across the line of scrimmage and now make the back go east and west instead of north and south, now all your friends are going to come and help make the play. You you started the play. You probably aren't going to make the tackle, but you're making the back go east and west, and your buddies are going to all make the tackle. No, I mean, by this point, you're th- there is no player that's exclusively – you know, uh, a five technique or a three technique or a seven technique, they may play better in that technique, but you can't be one dimensional in that technique. You have to be able to play other techniques. You have to be able to slant, stunt, play head up, play gap. So you have to be versatile enough to be able to do it or, you know, bring your backers on slant to try and fill the gaps. You are also on the call for Westwood One calling Sunday night football. And you're actually going to be in Mexico city this week for the Niners and the Cardinals on Monday night football. You got the passport ready. You all set. I, and I have never been to Mexico city, so I'm looking forward to it. I heard there's, which shouldn't shock you knowing me, I heard there's great places to eat. So I'm looking (laughs) forward to that. Yes. I have the passport ready. The wife's coming out with me, my daughter and her husband, they're going to come out. We're going to spend a few days out there. I'm looking forward to it. And you know, two teams coming off a, Coming off a, a win uh, last week, the Arizona, albeit with a backup quarterback, so a nice job out of them. This was actually the first matchup, these two teams in this stadium in 05. That was the first regular season game played outside the United States, I believe. Now, because I know I, when I was in Philly, we went to London and played there, but it was all preseason games. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, the regular season, and I know they just had one in Germany, and I believe Roger Goodell said they're going to do four more games out in Germany. So I love how it expands out there. I think it's a very, very cool thing. So I'm looking forward to it. First of all, I want to thank you because you took me to the greatest food experience I ever had when we were in Philly together. Uh, you took me to Fogo de Chao. Oh, yeah. The mo- For anyone that doesn't know, it's a steakhouse where there's just a little card on your table. It's got a green side and a red side. And as long as you have the green side up, they just keep bringing you meat, like all the meat you could want. And they cut it right there. They just oh. load you up. Yeah. And and the key is, you know, who's that first person to turn the card? Because that's the one that turns. <laughs> the, the great thing would be go with a bunch of people and say the first person that turns the card's buying the bill. There you, know, you go. Picking up the bill. That would be tough. But I couldn't do that to you. It was it was unbelievable. I tell people about it constantly. I still can't believe it exists, but it I know. is. Isn't it amazing? It's a lot of food, man. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, one sort of weird 49ers thing that's popped up, and I'm following this because obviously I cover the Niners for SB Nation. People have pointed out that Trent Williams, a left tackle for the Niners, appears to have two different stances. One that he uses primarily when they run the ball and one that he uses when they pass the ball. A lot of former offensive linemen have chimed in on Twitter, kind of laughing and saying, this isn't a big deal. It doesn't matter at all. Uh, You played defensive line in the league. So let me ask you, is that a big deal? And is there things to be learned there from an offensive lineman stance? Are, Are these are these former offensive linemen saying it's not a big deal that the defense knows the play coming or that that they're not really giving away the play in the stance? I think that it's not a big deal that they know what's coming. Oh, okay. Well, that that's fine if they think that, but 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 absolutely, lineman tip plays. No, no doubt. I was not the greatest player in the world. I, I did get nine years in, and you know, a lot of that was through, you know, st- towing the line of of you know, 
good play and interesting play, you know, um, <laughs> interesting but, play, but there was a lot of study. I would, I, I knew my game plan. I knew what the other team was going to do a lot of times by formation, because you had, listen, analytics have been around more than people are just screaming analytics. Now that's what our game plan was. What plays they run on second and seven plus third and seven plus second and four or less, blah, 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 all that. So you come out, uh, they, they come out in a formation and I can basically, knock down some plays, say, okay, I, it, this is one of how many plays they can run out of this formation. And then I watch old linemen. Are old linemen, you know, are they, are they heavy-handed? Are they back a little bit where they're going to pull? Are they light in their stance? You can absolutely read a lineman. Not, not all linemen. Not all. The, the best lineman I ever played, I actually played with him and against him, was Mike Munchuk, the Hall of Famer. Mike Munchuk got in the exact same stance every single play runner pass didn't matter now if these other old linemen are saying it doesn't matter if they know it's a pass or a run that's cool I mean that that's fine if they feel that way but you absolutely absolutely can pick up uh what they're doing just like old linemen can pick up on a defensive lineman if we're going to run a stunt sometimes they'll be able to pick it up off a of film of how we're lining up so uh yeah it, it can happen both ways but it absolutely happens I would think it would matter more in the red zone, right? Because if you knew, for example, that they were going to run the ball in the red zone, that I feel like as a defense kind of changes how you're going to react to stuff. And, and you know, there's less space in the red zone. So I feel like that information would be more useful the closer you got to the goal line. So the biggest giveaway to me in the red zone is when a guard's going to pull. You know, in a red zone, and it depends on where in the red zone. You're on the 18-yard line or the two-yard line. They're both the red zone. So, you know, if, if, you're, if you're hunkering down, you know, for, for a short yardage play and you see a, a guard back in his stance a little bit. Now I'm on the defense. I'm like, okay, normally I am shooting down low, but if I see the guard back a little bit, that means he's probably going to pull and the center is going to block back on me. So it may change the way I'm going to now attack this play. If I feel the guard is going to get out of there. So yeah, it can, and, and I'll yell it out. You know, I'll yell to the other side, you know, uh, Reggie or Clyde or whatever guards coming, you know, and and if, if you can read that, that's where I think you can it can definitely help yourself. Um, but listen, there are some linemen, old linemen that are so good. They're like, I don't give a shit if you know where I'm, what I'm doing. I'm still going to block you anyway. I'm going to come to the line of scrimmage and say, this is a run play right at us and I'm going to block you. There are linemen that are that good. So some may not care if they're if they're tipping or not. Yeah, and Trent Williams is definitely one of those linemen. Oh, yeah, With, without a doubt. Yeah, he probably goes and said, I don't care if you know what I'm doing. I'm still going to beat you. Okay, that's interesting because it was sort of just a weird thing that has popped up, and uh, I just wanted to get your take on it, obviously, as someone coming at it from the opposite perspective. Mike, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much again for everything with uh, Pork Rinds and Gridiron Greats and the partnership there. Please pick up some Pork Rinds and help some people that could really, really use it Thanks again, and I hope I get to talk to you again soon. Oh, you will, Stats. Thanks, man. Once again, thank you to Mike Golick for sitting down with Stats. Let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll run the gauntlet to get to the bottom of the biggest question this week. Who are the fake wildcard contenders across the NFL? As they win the gridiron gauntlet. Okay, smarty. What's a gauntlet? Truly don't even know what a gauntlet is. The gauntlet has been laid. Welcome back into the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Steven Sardovero, head pride, joined by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. It's just a two-man gauntlet this week since uh, stats and justice are out. So we decided to dive into the NFL's wild card playoff picture. It is kind of crazy right now. Um, the AFC East is going to have a bunch of teams in if the, if the playoffs started today. The NFC East would have a bunch of teams in if the playoffs started today. So on this week's gauntlet, we are discussing the fakest wild card teams, and we will begin, KP, in the AFC. And we're going to go from teams that are currently in to teams that are on the bubble and, and decide which of these teams are truly the fakest wild card contenders. We begin with the New York Jets currently sitting in the five seed against the Buffalo Bills, who are currently in the six seed. KP, who is the fakest wild card team out of those two? 
Wow. So we got a couple division teams, right? AFC East. We have a couple 2021 quarterbacks in Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. Both of those quarterbacks look a mess. Both of those quarterbacks look like two guys you do not want to depend on down the stretch. But I think I'm going to go with the team that has just been playing better for the majority of the season. And that's probably going to catch some people off guard when I say the Jets. I think these teams are pretty close. I know the Patriots. Go ahead. This is actually Jets Bills. We're not quite to the Patriots. So before you go any further, I just want to make that clear. I heard Patriots, and that's all. Um, So are you asking me, would I rather bet on Josh Allen or would I rather bet on Zach Wilson? But the way that the, the question is phrased, which one is a faker team? So knowing that, knowing that if I were in December and I needed a win, and I saw Zach Wilson on the other sideline. I love my odds. <laughs> I know that the Jets, and I think the Jets did a really good job this offseason of getting guys who can win one-on-one. And for all the talk about Sauce Gardner, who's going to be probably the rookie of the year, like he's been outstanding. I think that Garrett Wilson has been very good, especially these last couple of weeks. And he just wins one-on-one, as I mentioned. It does suck that Brees Hall is no longer with us after a season-ending injury. But they still have enough guys, I feel like, who can win one-on-one on the outside, but it comes back to the quarterback. And then when he's under pressure, Zach Wilson specifically, like he just does not look like an NFL caliber QB. So with that in mind, knowing that the Jets can probably get stops, knowing that the Jets will fight and claw and scratch to keep the game close, it's going to come down to Zach Wilson making plays. And on the other side, it's Josh Allen. So it's pretty simple here. I'm going to make sure that Josh Allen is not a fraud. And yeah, that's, that crown goes to the Jets. What, what do you think? Do you think there's a pathway – where the Bills are bigger frauds than the Jets. See, I feel like there's a case that there is because the Jets just beat the Bills. Like we just saw this Jets team give Buffalo a Pretty bunch convincing of too. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Like Buffalo did not look like this offensive powerhouse in that game. Like they struggled for a lot of that game, and this Jets defense gave them a bunch of problems. But if we're talking about fakest wild card team, I, I don't see how you could pick Zach Wilson o- over Josh Allen. So I, I agree with you that it's got to be the Jets o- over the Bills in this situation because I still think that the Bills, when healthy, are one of the best teams in the NFL. And I don't think we're making a big enough deal uh, about how banged up that Bills secondary is. And you know that game against Minnesota where – Josh Allen's got the weird elbow thing now that I feel like we're going to be talking about the rest of the season, especially if his play declines at all. But like it didn't seem to be affecting him all that much. Like his elbow problem didn't force him to make those bad interceptions against the Minnesota Vikings. I I just think that the bills are really banged up right now. And and this roster that's so talented and so deep all across the board, it's just really trying to figure out what they can do while they're trying to, just kind of get past this injury bug situation and get into the playoffs later in the season. So it's, I still think the bills are a contender. I just don't think we've made enough about all the injuries that they're dealing with right now. Yeah. It's easy to ignore them when they are winning, but as you said, like the jets game, um, the Vikings game, and it's the manner of how they're losing these games. And it, those Josh, those Josh Allen turnovers, like you can't ignore them. He's playing great outside of those turnovers, but those turnovers are literally costing the team game. Uh, the team game. Um, they're also losing field position. The turnovers are happening at the worst possible times. Where, um, the, like for example, the game doesn't go in. The Vikings don't have a chance if he just holds on to the ball. Sure enough, he doesn't. Um, he's having some of the wildest interceptions. It, it looks like he doesn't know which. Like it's almost like he's colorblind in a sense. Um, He's throwing the ball directly to the defense. So, like, will that change? Like, that's not an elbow issue. Like, that's not because he is on the injury report because those interceptions have been happening time and time again. So, like, I'm going to give Josh Allen the benefit of the doubt here still. But um, it has to stop. Those those turnovers have to come to an end. Yeah, it just feels like he's reverted a little bit to who he was a couple of years ago where – he would make the incredible plays and then he would make that boneheaded interception kind of like Kirk cousins. Kirk cousins doesn't make the incredible plays that Josh Allen does, but Kirk cousins throws interceptions where you're like, what was he even looking at? Like, what did he see there that made him think that throw was a good idea? And Josh Allen's doing some of that right now, but 
we've seen his peak and we've seen what he can do when he's playing at maximum Josh Allen level. And so I have to imagine that he's going to figure out how to turn that around. And then if this defense gets healthy, they're one of the best defenses in the NFL. So the New York jets in this circumstance do move on because I don't think either one of us believes in Zach Wilson specifically though, that jets defense is fun and a really talented young group. So that moves us on to the number seven team in the AFC playoff picture right now, which would be the new England Patriots. So, who is the biggest fake wild card contender right now, the New York Jets or the New England Patriots? Now, as I was saying, <laughs> the uh, this is tough because you go, it's easy to just focus on what you saw head to head. And the Patriots ran through the Jets the first time they played, and the Jets were up early in that game. And if you just watch how these teams have played since – and just what you're expecting from these teams when you watch them. The Patriots don't really have anybody on their perimeter offensively that can scare you. I think the Jets do. I think that you you would respect a guy like Garrett Wilson. And sure, like we don't know what we're going to get from Corey Davis or if we're ever going to get anything from Elijah Moore, but they have better weapons, and you can't say the same for New England. Both defenses are sound. Both defenses are good. But I would say that the Jets are like slightly more dangerous on that side of the ball just because they do have the playmakers. So I think that – the Patriots are bigger frauds here just because like they, they have to do everything right on defense and their offense just gives you next to nothing. So it's, it's, I'm just betting on the better offense here. And again, both these quarterbacks are, I would, I mean, I don't think anybody would average or probably below average, but again, it, it's more about uh, the position of players and the skill players on the outside. What do you think here? Do you, how close is this? And I guess, who do you think has the biggest edge? I think it's close, but I tend to agree with you. I'm on your side on this. I think the Jets overall just have more talent offensively, uh, which is where I would lean because both these defenses are playing at a high level right now. It's just when you're talking about these two particular teams, and I think one of them probably will find a way to sneak into the playoffs if their defenses continue to play this way, it just comes down to, which quarterback, what, which, which offense do you think is going to give you enough? Is going to be able to make the place down the stretch? Because the Patriots are a team uh, under Bill Belichick, and especially in this post-Tom Brady era, where they operate in we just have to make as few mistakes as possible, and we assume that the other team is going to make more mistakes, and that's going to be how we win games, and we'll play sound defense. We'll give you tons of problems on that side of the ball. But at the end of the day, if they do make a mistake or even if they do play a flawless game and they get into a situation where it's like, okay, Mac Jones, we need you to go make a play. You have no faith that anybody on that offense is going to go make a play. I know Ramondre Stevenson's a nice player and Damian Harris is, you know, when healthy, his flashed a little bit here and there, but they have no one in the passing game that you're like, okay, even if Mac Jones is locked in and playing really well, like who is going to win those one-on-one matchups? Who's going to do what you need them to do? And that Kendrick Bourne, baby. (laughs) Yeah. And the Jets, while, you know, Elijah Moore hasn't done anything this season, and that's been a disappointment. We'll see if they turn things around with him. But Garrett Wilson looks like he is a legitimate playmaker. And Garrett Wilson looks like he is going to be a really good player for the New York Jets offense. So at the end of the day, I have to side with you on the New England Patriots here. I just don't think that they have anything to truly compete offensively if they actually got into the playoffs. So I agree. New England Patriots move on over the New York Jets. That moves us to the number eight team right now in the AFC standings. That is the Los Angeles Chargers. So KP Chargers sitting at five and five. They have a huge uh, or I think they're five and fourth. They have a huge game this weekend against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football. How do you feel about the New England Patriots versus the Los Angeles Chargers in terms of playoff contention? Why in the world did that game get flexed? Like, what are we doing here? We just saw them on national TV. We saw the Chargers every week before. It's not going to be a good game. It's like, as a Chiefs fan, you know that you're not going to get anything. Like, you know the Chargers back and forth. Like, um, I I just don't know, man. I don't know what to expect from them. Keenan Allen's probably – like, is he ever going to play? He's been, uh, quote, day-to-day for like two months now, since week one, essentially. 
him and Mike Williams are expected to practice this week for whatever that's worth, but they tried to oh, bring yeah. Keenan Allen back a few weeks ago and he just re-injured himself. Right. That, my answer here is essentially like, will I, will Justin Herbert get back Mike Williams and Keenan Allen down the stretch? I'm not going to hold my breath on that answer. I know what I'm getting with the Jets. And if anything, the Jets are going to make guys like Elijah Moore like more involved into the offense. I think their defense is going to get more comfortable the more that they play down the stretch. Guys like Sauce, uh, Sauce Gardner, as I mentioned, like their secondary is very good. You can't say the same about the Chargers. Outside of the quarterback, what do the Chargers do well? And I would love for anybody to point that out because when I've been watching them like this past week, like it's, it's Herbert doing this, Herbert doing that, and – essentially everything else is just the 49ers making mistakes. So unless you're hoping for the other team to make mistakes and betting on the boy wonder Brandon Staley to get it right, I'm going to go in the opposite direction here. So I would take the better coach in this situation. And to me, that's Robert Sala. I think he is pressing the right buttons. And it just feel like it feels like his players respond to him better and he gets more out of his team as opposed to Brandon Staley in charge. So yeah, I, I think the Chargers are bigger frauds here, honestly. And, and that might be due to injuries. That might just be to, due to the lack of talent offensively outside of Herbert. But they just don't seem like a team that has a sense of direction. And I, I can't say the same about the Jets. So I think the Chargers are the bigger frauds here. What do, you, what do you think? I understand why this game got flexed. And uh, I do wonder if the Chargers are going to find a way to give the Chiefs some problems just because over the last couple of years, like, their defensive personnel does match up pretty well with Kansas City, but back when they played in week two, they had their full defense still. It wasn't going through this huge overhaul, and it didn't have this long list of injuries that they do now. So I don't think this defense is the same. Back in week two when they played on Thursday Night Football, they had Joey Bosa, they they had 100% Khalil Mack, and they were giving the Chiefs offensive line a bunch of problems. Their secondary was healthier back then too, and so – at the end of the day, I think that this Sunday night football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs, like I think this could wind up being the nail in the coffin for the Chargers. And I do think the Chiefs are going to wind up, even though it's a divisional battle, even though they play them pretty close, I think the Chiefs are going to wind up winning this thing pretty big. And it's just going to highlight everything that the Chargers have gone through this season. So I do kind of think they're frauds right now, even with Justin yeah. Herbert. And so... I, I just don't have much faith in them moving forward. So I, I guess if I was going to pick between the Chargers and, and Jets, like who is the biggest fake wild card contender right now? I think it's the Los Angeles Chargers because just of all the things that you highlighted, I don't have any faith in anything that they do offensively, even with Justin Herbert as their quarterback. Like Justin Herbert is the is the one that's helping them overcome some of their deficiencies, but they're also holding him back dramatically because their offense is boring and it's stagnant and they don't move the ball. Well, they're not explosive in any way. And I get that he's lose missing to his two top playmakers. And now Gerald Everett's hurt too. Who's been like one of his best pass catchers this season. And he might not be available this Sunday. It's just fallen apart for the chargers. So I just don't look at them like they're a legitimate playoff contender until they get healthy. And I don't know how they're going to be able to keep overcoming these things until that happens. And so right now I think that they are a fake wildcard team. I don't look at them as a serious playoff contender. Yeah. It's tough to envision all the injuries that we're talking about that they've been going on all season. Like that's just going to magically change down the stretch. So Chargers move on. It now comes down to the Chargers and the current nine seed in the AFC playoff picture, the Cincinnati Bengals, which seems kind of crazy, but it just speaks to kind of how crazy that AFC East is right now. But if you had to pick the uh, biggest fake wild card contender between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals, who are you going with, KP? I think the Bengals are legitimately good. I thought they were a top five team with Jamar Chase. I know their record didn't really reflect that, but just the way that they were playing, they, they ran into, into just kind of a bad matchup on a short week or sorry, a bad matchup against the Browns a couple weeks ago, Monday night football. And that was their first game without Chase. But I, I imagine they'll be able to figure it out. And that doesn't mean they're going to go on another Super Bowl run, but I think there's just way too much talent on that team. I thought that they were starting to play better in the secondary, which matters. That was a big issue for them. And, they're 
they're figuring out how to block for Joe Burrow. So they have the weapons, even if Chase isn't going to be healthy for another couple of weeks or so. I, it's easy to see them scoring points, and I don't see the Chargers being able to go out and put up 30 where I can see um, T. Higgins, uh, you know, Burrow, obviously, Joe Mixon. Like, they have plenty of guys, Tyler Boyd, that can go out and, and get you those first downs and eventually explosive plays. So I, I think it's pretty easy here that, you know, the Bengals are superior to the Chargers. And, again, just going back to the Chargers, like, who's going to get you that quote-unquote bucket where, uh, like, I can easily point to T. Higgins. Yeah, I, I agree with you in this one. And it, it's just – it's weird that the Bengals are all the way down here at nine right now. Like they're, they're better than that. And, and I think that we know that they're better than that, despite the injuries that they've got going on right now. And uh, you know, and they've got some guys who are coming back. Chidobe Awuzier uh, is missing some time right now, but he should be back for them later in the season. DJ reader was activated this week, so he should be available for them. And he is huge for their defensive line. So uh, I, I think that, the Bengals are moving in the right, right direction despite the chase injury and they have gotten better and overcome some, uh, a slow start to the season and kind of figured some things out offensively. And, you know, we saw that explosion that they had against the Carolina Panthers and I get that it's the Panthers, but the, the Bengals needed that performance. Like they needed that kind of offensive performance to show that they still have it in them. And so I think that was a huge moment for them this season. And, at the end of the day, again, yeah, I just don't have any faith in anything that the Chargers are doing offensively. So we've been uh, we've been it kind of on the same wavelength here uh, across the AFC. So final team, Chargers move on here, and it's against the current ten seed in the AFC playoff picture, the Indianapolis Colts. But they've got Jeff Saturday, who's undefeated in his head coaching career, and he gave life to Jonathan Taylor and that <laughs> yeah, he did. So, AP, the Los Angeles Chargers or the Indianapolis Colts? Come on, man. The, if you were on Twitter and you saw just the rush of people to uh, rushing to defend Jeff Saturday after beating the Raiders, like what are we talking about here, man? I was watching that game, and – the Colts weren't doing anything crazy, like anything outlandish. That The real reason they pulled away was late in the game. Paris Campbell made a play. But if they were playing any sort of competent team, I don't think they win that game. So why are we acting like all of a sudden the reason that the Colts are confident is because Jeff Saturday? Like, it, first of all, it was smart to put Matt Ryan back in the game. Like, who knew he would give you a chance to put points on the board as opposed to Sam Mellinger? But – Oh, they have a lot of issues. They still have a lot of issues. And I know Jeff Saturday is an offensive line guy, but I don't know that they're going to be able to work around those offensive line issues. So for as many faults as the Chargers have, I think we've seen consistently throughout the season that the Colts are not able to do a few a few key things, and that is get stops on defense and specifically turnovers or block for Matt Ryan. So when you can't block for your quarterback, he's not able to, you know, hit those explosive plays. And who knows? Like, I I know that Jonathan Taylor had some success against the Raiders. He outran everybody. He is a crazy athlete. Most teams are not – he's not going to look like that against most teams. He hasn't looked like that against most teams. So I'm, I'm going to say what we saw last week was more of a one-week wonder and that the Colts are still frauds. And that pains me to say because I thought they were going to be good heading into this year, and I thought they were good last year, but <laughs> – um, it's they're just not built to win or their style of play just isn't built to win this year. I feel like. So what do you think? It, it, am I off there? Do you think Taylor and company are going to be able to turn around? Is Jeff Saturday the saving grace? Is he their savior? Absolutely not. It's a hundred percent. It's now it was great to see Jonathan Taylor bounce back and, and finally have a huge game. What was, I think really important about that game for the Colts offensively was uh, obviously getting Matt Ryan back in over Sam Ellinger, which never should have happened in the first place, but it was the fact that Jeff Saturday, and maybe this has to do with, he doesn't know what he's doing, or maybe this was legitimately something that he came in and said, this is what we have to do. Jonathan Taylor played almost 100% of the Colts' offensive snaps, which was not a thing that they did with Frank Reich because Neheim Hines was always in the mix there. And uh, Deion Jackson has played well, filling in for uh, Jonathan Taylor this season when he's been injured. But neither one of those guys were available this past week. And so Jonathan Taylor played on like 100% of the Colts' snaps. So 
I do think that there's more upside offensively when you just get your best players on the field and give them opportunities to make plays. So maybe there was some logic there, or maybe it was just, I don't know what I'm doing. Just put Jonathan Taylor on the field as much as possible and give him as many touches. But at the end of the day, I'm going to take Justin Herbert over Matt Ryan, over this Colts team and over anything that they've done this season. It was the Raiders. They are an absolute dumpster fire this season. And I feel like you could see the upset coming from a mile away in this game. Right. Even with Jeff Saturday, like there's, you know, the narrative of, you know, players will rally around this. And it feels like we were chasing that narrative with the Colts for a couple of weeks because they were just firing people left and right. And then finally Saturday comes in and it's a big enough story for everybody to get up in arms about it. And the Colts finally had a reasonable game, but they're still not an interesting team. They're still not an exciting team. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's the Indianapolis Colts. Absolutely. Let's move to the NFC now, and we will start with the current five seed in the NFC playoff picture, the New York Giants. They are going up against the current six seed Dallas Cowboys, who is the biggest fake wild card contender, KP, the New York Giants or the Dallas Cowboys. Brian Dayball on the podium for coach of the year. Done a great job with that team. I think your former assistant coach, Mike Kafka, deserves a ton of credit for what he's been able to do with Daniel Jones this year just to make him look like a competent quarterback because that has not always been the case, and I don't think many people would argue with that. But like, it has to be the Giants, right? They're 7-2, and two and nobody knows that. Like Nobody talks about um, them as a 7-2 seven on two, a seven and two team. We're not talking about them in the same light as some of the other contenders. And there's, an, there's a reason why. Like Everybody kind of is just – we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? We're waiting for them to kind of hit that patch in the schedule where they start losing. It hasn't happened yet, and everybody's still kind of waiting for that to happen. I think it's still they're, – they're relying on Saquon to go out and save the day for them. I think we're, we're starting to see their offense kind of take a step back. And their defense just really hasn't been good all season. So I think as the season goes along, we'll, we'll start to see New York kind of come back down to earth. But they have seven wins right now. So um, they could come back down to earth and still make the playoffs just because they got out to such a hot start. I do believe – I still believe in Dallas. I don't believe in Mike McCarthy, but I believe in the talent around them. I don't know what went on against the Packers because – because the Packers are not a good team. And I'm glad we don't have the Packers, our local Packers defender to be here and, and talk about this because he would have been ruthless today um, after beating Mike McCarthy. I don't know. I, I still think, you know, CeeDee Lamb, like their talent on that side of the ball, that they're able to run the ball. They still generate turnovers. They have a pass rush. It was like, it was just one of those days where they just didn't have it. And, and they had a lead too. Like, it's not as if Green Bay um, kind of stomped them up and down the field. The, the Cowboys were up like two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, I want to say. So they'll be fine. And I think over the course of the season, especially um, this game, I think will be a, a nice bounce back situation for Dallas. Yeah, uh, I think this week's gauntlet, it just feels pretty clear. Like when, yeah. when you run down the list, like the Dallas Cowboys are a truly talented team. And you know, in, in most other NFL seasons, they would be sitting atop the NFC East right now because they are that talented offensively. Now that Dak Prescott's healthy and that defense has been absolutely incredible. Like Micah Parsons is legitimately one of the best overall players in the entire NFL right now. And it's not really that close. Brian Dable is just getting so much out of very little right now with the New York Giants. And it is impressive. Like, they just don't make mistakes. And, and the biggest the biggest issue right now, or the biggest deciding factor in them winning football games right now is that Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, they just stopped putting him in situations to turn the football over. Like he's always had a huge issue fumbling the ball. He's always thrown a lot of interceptions. He's only got two fumbles this season. He's only got two interceptions this season. And part of that is they just don't throw the ball. Like they just don't put him in situations to cost them football games. Like you mentioned KP, it's just Saquon save us like be our offense because we don't really have anything else. Like our best wide receiver is Darius Slayton right now. Maybe we'll get something out of Wandale Robinson later in the season, but they just don't have much on the offensive side of the ball. And when you look at the rosters and, and the talent, I have to assume that the Dallas Cowboys are going to overcome their circumstance right now and find a way to move up into the playoff picture. So I, I agree with you. It, it's absolutely the New York Giants. So 
they move on and they will be taking on the seventh seed in the NFC wildcard standings right now. And that is the San Francisco 49ers KP New York giants or your San Francisco 49ers. I think this one's pretty easy too. So again, it's, this is a talent question, right? One team has Chris McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Trent Williams, maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo. And then we go to the defense side of the ball and have a bunch of good players on defense. And then the Giants, it's like we are going to hone in and stop Saquon. We are going to make Daniel Jones throw the ball, and we're going to prove that he can't throw the ball. And then I can name a a slew of players on the 49ers defense, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. And then – on defense for the Giants, like who can you name that's an actual like playmaker, like somebody who's going to be a game record game changer? I feel like you would struggle to come up with a name. So if it's if we're just talking about the Jimmys and Joes here, um, I think the 49ers get the edge. But again, I, I would be fascinated to see the game plan that Dayball comes up with if these two teams are going head to head. I would imagine Daniel Jones would have 30 carries. Like he would get him to the edge and use him as a runner, which is great, by the way. I think that's awesome. He's one of the better running quarterbacks, in my opinion, um, in the NFL. I, I think the Giants should use him more. But who, which contending team did you would you trust the Giants to beat? And I think you'd come up short in a lot of answers with that. So I think the Giants are, are going to move along here as well. What do you think? Like, do you get fraud vibes when you watch the 49ers? No. And, and it's because of their talent, despite their up and down level of play. I feel like San Francisco does this every year. It, it's yep. like it, it, it's like they want to be a wild card team. It, it's like they want to have their backs against the wall and have to run the table late in the season. Nobody like, believed in us. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like they go out of their way to do this every year. And I know they've dealt with a lot of injuries this season, but and, you know, the questionable Christian McCaffrey trade to now be a split backfield running back um you know I, I don't really know what you're doing there but at the end of the day i have to side with the talent and the giants have far exceeded expectations this season that in itself is a win like them if they lost every game the rest of the season giants fans should still be happy because they won seven football games this year because yeah. that's how bad they've been in the last several years so they've far exceeded expectations this season and that should be enough they probably will find a way to make the playoffs unless they totally collapse down the stretch but nobody's going to be scared of the giants and like this screams you know, wild card weekend matchup, New York Giants, San Francisco 49ers, and the 49ers just wind up like boat racing them in the playoffs. Right. I, I just don't see a situation where they would actually be able to beat that team in the playoffs. So it's got to be the Giants moving on here. And now they'll be taking on the current number eight seed in, in the NFC playoff running, the Washington Commanders, the Taylor Heineke led Washington Commanders, who just in a pretty convincing fashion, I, I think, beat the Philadelphia Eagles and gave them the first loss of the season. So is it the New York Giants or is it the Washington Commanders, KP? Richard Sherman asked this question. He said, what would Washington's record be if they had stuck with Taylor Heineke to start the season? And I think that is pretty interesting just because like, he's seen some of these defenses, like the, the Eagles, for example. He played, he's played against the Eagles, and that matters. And if, they, if those teams played – 10 times again, the Eagles would probably win nine times, but that's the NFL, like, right? So that's tough. I, I I still don't buy anything the commanders do. I love Terry McLaurin. I think Gibson should be involved. Antonio Gibson should be involved even more. Um, I like the change up that Curtis Samuel brings, but I, I know that when it counts, when he needs to make a throw, just as we saw to Ch- Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, like Heineke's probably going to make a mistake. So – them not having, I mean, Chase Young is about to play again. I imagine that's going to give them another another shot in the arm on defense. But something's missing when you watch them. And again, I, I don't. I feel like every team against the Eagles, like they're going to be their Super Bowl, for example. So I understand why the Eagles lost, even though they're at home, even though they had an you know an extra day to prepare. It, it's tough to get up for inferior opponents, whereas like teams like Washington, teams like New York, like they have to give everything they have to come out ahead. But in this situation, I don't know that there's a right answer. I would, if I could, I would bet against both teams, 
But I think it's Washington, just based on what we've seen over the course of the season. And I think eventually, um, I mean, they're, what, they're 5-5, five and five, and they play like they're 5-5. Five and five. The Giants are overachieving. But I, I think they're better coach. You mentioned them not making mistakes. You can't say the same about Washington for that. So because of that, I'm going to give Dable the edge here. And I think uh, Washington is a bigger fraud here. What, what do you think? So I, I think what you just mentioned there is the deciding factor for me here, because when I'm talking about the New York Giants or the Washington Commanders, and, you know, they both are light years behind other contenders in terms of quarterback play. But then like offensive weapons, I would take the commander's offensive weapons for the most part over New York Giants, at least in at least pass catchers there. Um, Saquon, obviously I'm going to take over Gibson or Brian Robinson or any of those guys. But at the end of the day, it's that you can't rely on Washington week in week out, not to have turnovers, not to make mistakes. And they made mistakes against the Eagles. Like you mentioned, I just think that that loss for Philadelphia had been brewing for a little bit. Like you could kind of after you had watched their last few games, like you could feel like there was a stumble coming and it's a long NFL season. And that's just the way it happens sometimes. Like Philadelphia just played a sloppy game and they made a lot of mistakes. Also, can we talk about the end of that game for a second? I haven't had a chance to really talk about this with anybody. That was such a whack way to end that football game (laughs) and the Philadelphia Eagles undefeated season. Like, I get it. It is a penalty. I understand the rule, but it was just lame. Like it it was super lame for Taylor Heineke to give himself up that way, knowing that everything was covered and just eat a sack and then get up and celebrate it. Oh, we upset the undefeated Eagles. All of that was just super lame. And I hated every second of it. That, um, that was the NFC East we're used to watching, right? Like that's what, that's what we've grown accustomed to watching, but it, it felt pretty fitting the way that game was going. Either way, I, I think I, if you're the Eagles, how mad are you that that is the team you lost? Like that was the team that ruined your quote unquote perfect season. I'm glad, though, just because we're going to every week it was going to be like Schefter tweeting out. Well, the Miami Dolphins of 1972, this well, the uh, the Patriots of 07, this like, come on, guys, we don't have to do this every time. So thank you, Philly, for not dangling that um, in front of our faces anymore. Yeah, we we absolutely do not need to do that every single season. Anytime any team uh, is undefeated for a while. What, what were the Cardinals last season? Like 11 and 0 before they lost a right. game and no one thought they were good. Like not one. Like they were undefeated <laughs> and nobody was convinced the Cardinals were a good football team. The Steelers did it a couple of years ago. Like we don't need to do that every single season anymore. But uh, the, so the Washington Commanders move on and now. The current nine seed in the NFC playoff race is the Green Bay Packers. KP, who's the biggest fake wildcard contender, the Washington Commanders or the Green Bay Packers? Man, how quickly things can change in a week, right? So Green Bay looked dead in the water. Like they looked like they had nothing going for them. And then they run into the Cowboys. And again, they were down in that game. They were down by two scores in that game, late in the game. Christian Watson made a couple crazy catches. Like, his speed is unreal. He also dropped a few passes. I'm not ignoring that. But it was good to see him finally come, you know, look like the player that the the Packers drafted. I still have so many questions about them, and I think Dallas kind of bailed them out just with how they attacked the game. I don't think Green Bay is legit at all. But I would imagine if they were to play Washington for a while for that final wild card spot, it's Aaron Rodgers against Taylor Heineke, and it's Lafleur against Ron Rivera. It's uh, for as many questions as you have about the Packers defense. I'm not so sure that the Washington would be able to slow them down. And I would imagine as the season, especially in the second half, they are going to rely on Aaron Jones. So I think again, it, it comes down to coaching. It comes down to talent. It comes down to quarterback play. And for as many jokes as we can make about Aaron Rodgers, like he's still going to give his team a far better chance to win than any of these other middling or subpar quarterbacks like Taylor Heineke. So um, I think Washington has to advance here, but that does not mean that Green Bay is a contender by any means. What do you, what do you think? Are we overreacting to what we saw because Green Bay won last week or is, is Green Bay going to look like more of the team we saw um, for essentially every other game in the first half. 
I would almost like to pick the Packers here just to have some kind of disagreement on, on the gauntlet, but no, man, they're not good. They're right. not a good football team. And I've kind of enjoyed this Green Bay Packers slide because, you know, just Aaron Rodgers for so long was just so incredible. And even over the past couple of years, I've said on Arrowhead Pride, like, you know, during his back-to-back MVP runs, I was like, I can't quite put Mahomes just over Rodgers because of the level that he's operating at right now. Like, he's just playing, like, almost flawless football. And it's just not that this season. And, and Green Bay did this to themselves. And... I get that they just came off a big win and yes, Christian Watson looked great and NFL players sometimes get up for weird things like green Bay going against Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that had something to play into the game and Aaron Rodgers just didn't want to lose to Mike McCarthy. But if you've watched a lot of Packers football and I'm not saying I've watched a a ton of it this season, but what I have watched just doesn't look good. It, It doesn't look like they have a lot of answers and that defense was supposed to be a lot better than it has been. They were. And I understand that they're dealing with injuries. Losing Rashawn Gary is a huge blow to that defense. But this defense had much higher expectations than the level that they played at this season. And it's Aaron Rodgers, and maybe they do figure some things out. Maybe Christian Watson is legitimately the truth, and he's what they've been looking for at wide receiver this season but again he's also banged up again this week and i think he's been limited in practice after he's dealt with like 12 injuries all season long so there's no guarantee that he's available on a week-to-week basis so it's hard to side with the packers but again like you said kp if it's a playoff matchup a wild card game or, or a game just to get into the playoffs and it's taylor heineke versus aaron Rodgers, i'm gonna side with aaron Rodgers in this thing because i think he's still has that playmaking ability in him when 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 it's on the line and when he has to make things happen and Aaron Jones when healthy is an absolute stud. So Washington moves on here, final team, current number 10 seed in the NFC, the Atlanta Falcons, the Washington Commanders biggest fake wild card contender, Washington versus Atlanta. Who you got, KP? Man, I want Atlanta to be so good but they are not. <laughs> when you watch them, you can see their path. I think Arthur Smith does a great job, by the way. I think he gives them a chance to win. I think um, he puts Marcus Mariota in positions to succeed. Like their offense is a lot better than probably anybody would have thought coming into the, uh, this season. Drake London looks like the real deal. I still don't think they have a great plan for Kyle Pitts, but London is still looking good. Their defense Looks like their defense. Like looks like their defense always has, and that that was never going to be um, a strength of their team. But I think I would trust them to run the ball in the playoffs and kind of keep games close and maybe um, come out come away with a victory, as opposed to just again Washington making mistakes, uh, doing things that gets them behind the chains, not getting stops on defense. I think, and I, I'm actually pretty confident in this that I would trust Atlanta's offense, and I'm, I'm not saying I trust Marcus Mariota. I'm trusting Arthur Smith. And that offense, Cordell Patterson, over Washington. But, I mean, Marcus Mariota leaves so much to be desired. I know people want Desmond Ritter to play, and I understand why, just because you're wondering, like, this guy can't be worse, right? He, It seems like Marcus Mariota makes two or three mistakes a game that just, like, what are we doing here, man? You are are a (laughs) 30-year-old making these plays at this juncture in your career. Still, though – I think again, they're they are pretty well coached. They do have like enough speed and talent on the outside to win. So I I just don't see it with Washington. I know they're fresh off a victory over the best team in the NFC, but that's one game and that's a standalone game. And I'm not gonna base my decision and just be a prisoner of the moment here. Do you buy into Atlanta? Because remember, like two weeks ago they were in first place. Um people thought, you know, maybe they are gonna be a playoff team, and now obviously they're in tenth place, but that, that just goes to show you the NFC standings. It's going to flip-flop and change. Um, it's going to be pretty fluid as we go uh, this, these past, uh, what, eight or nine weeks. This is our first disagreement, I think. Yes! Um, I, I cannot uh, believe in the Atlanta Falcons over the Washington Commanders right now, which I mean, that's a crazy thing to say in general. But um, 
it has to do with the offense and their lack of trust in Marcus Mariota. I hope we see Desmond Ritter this season. I would like to see Desmond Ritter take some actual NFL regular season snaps and see what he can do at this level because they don't trust Marcus Mariota to do anything offensively for their team outside of rushing the football occasionally and then a uh, pass here and there. But it, it's just totally neutered them offensively. Like Drake London and Kyle Pitts are totally ineffective because of their disbelief in Marcus Mariota. And I know Cordero Patterson is a fun story. He's a fun player to watch. And he he's, he's done some good things for them this season when healthy Tyler Algier has had a couple of games here and there where he looks solid, but it, it comes down to, Washington's defense for me versus Atlanta's defense. And you mentioned how bad their defense has been. Their secondary in Atlanta is just one of the worst secondaries in the NFL right now. And they've dealt with a lot of injuries there as well, but they're just not very good. And really, I think the deciding factor, if it's, if I had to pick which team is the bigger fraud being Atlanta or Washington, I would pick Atlanta because I believe in Washington's defensive line at least like in a playoff matchup scenario, I feel like Washington could get a lot of pressure and give them a lot of problems with Duran Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez sweat and see what they get when they get chase young back. But you know, last time we saw chase young fully healthy, he looked like he could be a superstar NFL caliber player. And so I have faith in that defensive line, at least in that unit and you know, the pass catchers, at least for Washington more so than I do for Atlanta. So if I had to pick which team I think is the bigger fraud, I, I think it's definitely the Atlanta Falcons. So that's our first disagreement on, on this week's gauntlet, but I, we didn't really establish a, a tiebreaker here. There's nobody to make the decision for us. And it's, it's a final team anyway. So I, I don't know if we really need to establish one for this week because we talked about having it come down between quarterbacks. Which quarterback would you rather have, Taylor Heidecke or Marcus Mariota? Desmond Ritter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's the tiebreaker. Desmond Ritter is the tiebreaker of uh, uh, the final team in the NFC. <laughs> but uh, that is this edition of the SB Nation NFL Show. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, as always, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing here on the SB Nation NFL Show. We will read it on the show if you mention us specifically in that hopefully five-star review. You can follow KP on Twitter at KP underscore show. I'm Stephen Serta. That's where you can find me. We will talk to you guys next week. Peace.